Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, Force Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Today's uh, show from the Marriott Marquis at Times Square, overlooking Times Square, in fact. Tomorrow, Penn State plays in the NIT Championship game against Utah. 7 o'clock, the tip-off tomorrow night on beginning at 6.30 on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Streaming live at WKOK.com and, of course, on the Penn State Sports Network. The outstanding Lisa Byington in just a few moments. But first, our play-by-play call of the day. Well, how about a ninth-inning walk-off home run? <laughs> that would be the cherry on top of his ice cream that he was talking about the other day for this whole thing. can't even make it up how about that buck martinez last night in montreal where vladimir guerrero senior really started to cement his reputation as one of the great all-around players in the game which now has led to the hall of fame his son vladimir guerrero jr hits a walk-off homer last night in montreal for a sellout at the big o Montreal's doing everything they can, by the way, to get Major League Baseball back up there. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. electrified everybody last night with a walk-off reminiscent of Dad. Lisa Byington joins us. Lisa, welcome. Great to have you with us. (laughs) Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, let's uh, get to uh, some of the games that you saw along the way because uh, you were given some intriguing assignments uh, in the CBS-TBS group there. What teams stuck out to you and why? Um, you know, goodness, it, it, it might, this might be kind of uh, strange to say, but um, a team that actually lost in the first round. So we had our, our first round in Boise, and I really, yeah. really like South Dakota State. Uh, they have a player, Mike Dom, who, who might, end up, he might end up deciding to go pro. I really hope he doesn't. I really hope he comes back because they have a, a lot of pieces coming back. And I know they were everyone's favorite to, or one of their favorites um, to, to upset um, Ohio State if you're going to pick an upset pick. I know that they were one of them. And, um, and I believe the Ohio State head coach maybe reminded everyone of that when they did not lose to that. But, um, but definitely South Dakota State impressed me. Um, you know, how could I not say Loyola? Um, just seeing them in, in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight as well. I want to ask you, uh, Mike Don, by the way, that's one of the great things about Championship Week, for example, is that you finally do lock in on seeing a team like South Dakota State, seeing a really good all-around player close to the bucket can go outside every guy like Mike Don. That, to me, has always been one of the values of a championship week, which then leads to the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I left out even Buffalo. Uh, we were a part of the Buffalo yeah. upset over Arizona. And, and the thing that, um, that Oates is doing over in Buffalo is fantastic. I think he's one of the up-and-coming coaches. He's done it the right way. He's got a lot of talent. Um, he had kind of the interesting mix of being able to target junior college talent that would work for him as well as some, some four-year kids. And so Buffalo, I continue to think, is a, is a team on the rise. What was interesting, though, about the tournament, you mentioned Buffalo because you were obviously there, is Buffalo and UMBC, of course, they not only won their games, Lisa, they ended up blowing out the teams they were playing. This was not, hey, miracle, hit one at the buzzer and move on. (laughs) Five minutes ago in the game, they're looking around going, okay, which reserves do we put in? Yeah, isn't that isn't that wild? I always said that the way that the NCAA now is shaping up to be, especially on the men's side, uh, that I, I always felt a 16 would eventually beat a one, and but I just never figured it would be in that kind of fashion. And you know, I caught the tail end. I, I wasn't able to watch the UNBC um, Virginia game to its extent because it was kind of coinciding with stuff that we were doing in Boise. Uh, but obviously, I was working the the Buffalo Arizona game and. You know, there was you. You know, their their head coach has a little bit of moxie to him, and and I think that carries over. Sometimes your team reflects who your head coach is, and there was no point that Buffalo and that coaching staff felt like for if you're going to play Arizona one time, they felt like they could get them the one time and the one chance, and and they played to the mismatches. Uh, they they play small, and so they forced. Um, you know, Arizona has two seven footers, and so they forced at least one of the two and in that game it ended up being DeAndre Ayton um, to guard the perimeter and it ended up really really hurting Arizona they just as weird as it sounds Arizona couldn't match up to Buffalo in that game right and that, that that's what happens now you mentioned Loyola okay what has stuck out to you now the sister Jean story is a marvelous story but what stuck out to you about them as a basketball team because here's the weird part People forget that they needed a buzzer beater in the quarterfinals of the Valley Tournament to survive as the number one seed. I think if they lose the game, they don't get into the tournament. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? I actually retweeted, and I encourage your your listeners to go back and read. Pat Forty wrote a really, really good column about exactly that and the fact that this Loyola Cinderella story almost didn't happen because if they had lost in their conference tournament, I'm not certain, again, I agree with you, that they would have made it because there are fewer at-larges for mid-majors now. And, and, and Pat Forty broke it down in terms of the comparisons of at-larges available back even five years ago, back in 2013, there were there were a lot more opportunities for mid-majors to get in if they didn't win their conference tournament. And he kind of figured that there's about, what, two or three this year. And I don't think Loyola would have gotten one of those. So, um, you know, thank goodness they won their conference tournament because now yeah. we have an incredible Cinderella story. But you asked me about what stands out about their system. And, and I think it's just the fact that they understand what their system is. They don't shoot very many mid-range jump shots. They're very much a layup, points-in-the-paint kind of team. They rely on the three as well. Um, Porter Moser, you know, learned from Rick Majerus. And, and it's all about spacing. And, and he kind of he jokes in his Rick Majerus sort of accent, you know, offense <laughs> is spacing and, and spacing is offense. And he loves to throw out that line. But that's what he coaches and that's what he teaches and that's what his team um, exemplifies. 
There are a lot of great stories with Loyola. I thought you, you've done some great interviews with them. I also thought your interview with Sister Jean was, was incredible. Did you find well, yourself th- at times reminding yourself she's 98? <laughs> yeah. You know, she seems like she's uh, 50 or 60. She's got a better memory yeah. than I do. You know, I'll tell you what. Um, uh, and uh, this was not captured because obviously just the you know the start and the finish of the interview is, is captured. But um, after they won their Elite Eight game, we we knew we had to do a Sister Jean interview because it's illegal now in America to not if Loyola wins. <laughs> and so we had to wait. You know, we didn't want to pull her away from uh, being on the court and watching the net cutting celebration. And so we had to wait a little while and. And then finally, when, when she was ready, uh, you know, she has people who assist her. And so they, were, they wheeled her into kind of a side room. And she didn't have her, um, her championship baseball cap on, but she had it in her hand. And I said, Sister Jean, you're not wearing your hat. And she said, well, it's just because I was waving it to people and waving and saying hello. And she said, would you like me to put it on? And I said, well, yes, of course. <laughs> and she paused and she said, would you like me to put it on forwards or backwards? <laughs> and she said, because the kids wear them backwards. And I said, well, backwards, of course. So she puts her, her baseball cap on backwards. She's holding her um, her net that, that someone had given her, right, part of the net that was yeah. cut down. And she said, could you put this in my hat before the interview? <laughs> Oh, she, yeah, she was she was lovely. So I, you know, I'm putting the the piece of the net in the front of her hat, and and she is. I tell everyone she is as lovely, as sharp, and as wonderful as she comes across on TV. She is truly an amazing individual. There, of course, the two high school teammates that have emerged out of all of this that have played so well. The interview you did with the two of them, where one was really kidding the other about fame. I thought that one that that one I'm sitting there they you know where he made it seem like the the other the other his buddy was just like the manager. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, so Ben Richardson and Clayton Custer um the ironic thing about them is is they grew up maybe two and a half three hours away from Kansas State's campus. I mean, they grew up in the state of Kansas. They grew up in Big 12 country, so the irony of it all, the fact that they have to beat a Big 12 opponent, um, a school that they actually played uh, one of those team camps at when they were in high school. They played at Kansas State when Frank Martin was the head coach. So it was just, it was very ironic, but you're right. I mean, they've played together since the third grade, and they've won, they literally won championships because uh, they would play like at the national level at a really, really young age at elementary school and middle school, and they literally have won championships together at every single level. But, you know, when when that interview happened, I actually requested both of them because I knew how well they knew each other. I knew they had great chemistry. But you just never know in a setting like that how it's going to go. And um, I, I swear, I don't think it even mattered who was holding the mic. You know, they just – they are really good TV, is what we say in the business. Yeah. And um, yeah. what you know, once they get started, you just you just don't want to get in the way. You just kind of stay out of the way and let them take it. But wasn't that a great story that they told? Yeah, a lot of great stories, and you did a great job at leading them into the stories. I've been talking about the parts where you've been doing the interviews, but it's also been a groundbreaking year for you. Uh, I know what I saw you down at Maryland before the football game. Uh, Matt Millen, of course, was like, oh, here she comes. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and, of course, you're taking everything in stride. And, but you did a great job this year. I want to ask you about the pressure of it. 
because you know darn well there are going to be some people that are going to be like they're going to be really looking closely at how Lisa Byington calls a football game, and they're going to look at how close Lisa Byington calls a basketball game. What helped you handle the pressure to make sure that the best of Lisa Byington came out? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's just, it was leaning on uh, close family, friends, and coworkers who you trusted. And, and yeah. ultimately, um, that helps in the preparation of it. In terms of when the actual, when I sat in the booth or stood in the booth and, and called my first football game, I had to lock in, and, and I literally turned my phone off um, probably three hours before the football game because I didn't want any distractions. I didn't even want to see encouraging text messages and breaks or at halftime. And so that was part of, while I was in the moment, part of my concentration. But I had to make it seem like I had been there before when I hadn't been there before. And that was the most challenging thing is I hadn't called a high school football game or a D2 football game or a D3 football game or a JUCO football game. My first football game ever was that Bowling Green Northwestern game. And I had to act like it was my 20th or 30th game because I knew people were watching. And so I had great friends in the preparation of that in the summer telling me what worked for them, um, what didn't work. Um, I actually went up into the press box in August, and, and I knew when Northwestern was going to do like a walkthrough. And I went up by myself, and I brought my binoculars, and I called a football game by myself up there just so I could get a feel for being a mile away from the action. Um, I have a, a good friend, Anthony Heron, who was a D lineman at Iowa. And, and he now does some TV work. And, and he lives in Chicago, which is where I live. And he was gracious enough that all he wanted was maybe like two or three paid dinners. And he would come over to my place and <laughs> we would pull up, we would pull up old Northwestern football games from the years past. And I would sit on my couch with him and we would call a football game. And, and that was really the most helpful thing because it made me feel, once I got past the fact that I was sitting on a couch with a friend calling a football game, once I got past that for the first five minutes, it really, that was the thing that really, I think, gave me the biggest stride when I walked into the booth for real to make it kind of feel like I had been there already. Well, you mentioned that that wasn't your 20th or 30th. There will be a 20th and a 30th uh, because I thought you did a great job. You handled it really, really well. So, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, uh, and I think the biggest compliment that I got from people in the business was the fact that they said, you know, they, they couldn't tell that it was your first. And so I'll, right. uh, I'll package that up and, and put it in my pocket and I'll keep it. <laughs> well, good. You deserve it. Lisa, thanks so much for your time. Great work, as always. Whatever the assignment they give you, you always handle it well, and we appreciate the time and always enjoy crossing paths you when I get a chance to see you. Yeah, well, you're a class act. Um, you know, you're one of the legends. Go go, Penn State, by the way, huh? In the NIT, yeah, bring on the championship. It's uh, Penn State first, and then we'll see what Michigan does. What the heck? That's right. You know? It's right. Got to yeah. fly the Big Ten banner. <laughs> That's right. Thanks. Lisa, thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me. Lisa Byington does great work. She is at TBS, CBS. But, again, the sideline part, but she's now worked her way into the broadcast booth uh, in terms of from the sideline to play-by-play. You know, you know, remember, it's it's more than just calling it. She's, she's got, to, of course, people, oh, there's a woman calling a game. Oh, please. It's just the quality of the broadcast, which she brings to it. And the other part is, remember, too, there's a, there's a different traffic pattern that you have to handle when you're doing sideline. 
as opposed to then the traffic pattern of them being the play-by-play person. So all of that, there's a lot of elements that come into it besides just knowing that they change running backs. We will come back with more in a moment as we continue uh, from uh, Times Square here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Ever had a bad experience at a car dealer? You don't deserve that! Sunbury Motors Kia thinks you should be treated as great as possible. So they're celebrating March Badness! March Badness is for anyone who may have not been treated like they were number one. Get 0% financing for up to 75 months on 2018 Kia Fortes, Optimus, Sportages, and Serranos. 0% for 66 months on 2018 Kia Souls and Sedonas. And 0% for up to 60 months on 18 Kia Rios and Neros. All include Kia's 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty on the highest-ranked brand in initial quality, according to J.D. Power, two years in a row. Plus, there's over 25 Kia-certified pre-owned vehicles on the lot. Price to move. There's no bad. Bad treatment at SMC during March Badness at Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Financing offers available to qualified buyers through payment financing. In lieu of free, excludes Kia Stinger and Cadenza. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see retailer or go to Kia.com. All right, welcome back to Manhattan, Penn State. Tomorrow night takes on Utah for the NIT Championship at 7 o'clock. Ron beginning at 6.30 tomorrow evening. And uh, you can hear it on News Radio 1070 WKOK and streaming live on WKOK.com and on the Penn State Sports Network. And we hear a whiteout has been declared for MSG tomorrow night and a great deal the students can take advantage of. Ten bucks gets you the bus trip and a ticket. Great deal. Hopefully a lot of them on campus are snuffing those tickets up today i hope so we'll see that's uh, you know it's funny when you're here you're removed from all that uh you know you show up and you look around and go hey look i think five buses made it here last night now of course you know the legendary story in 2009 where 37 buses came here that was kind of mind-blowing so look i think they're grateful for any support that they get um and so whatever they can get here tomorrow night. Uh, there are actually more Utah fans here last night than I thought there would be. I mean, you know, you're talking about Salt Lake City to here. Uh, and they had a decent representation there last night. Now, obviously, Penn State had more fans than anybody else, but they still had a decent rep- uh, representation there last night. Uh, I, I would expect that there will be a really good crowd tomorrow night, and obviously you would expect Penn State to feel like the home team. You know, you're doing the game, you hear the crowd, they're loud and the whole deal. But you know what? I didn't really realize how loud they really were until I, until I, um, in the post-game show, uh, Jeff Tarman, there, there's certain sponsored things that we have. We have the State Farm Assist of the game. We have the AT&T Calls of the game. So they played back three highlights in the post-game show last night in the sponsored segments. And in listening to it, I didn't realize how loud the crowd was. I was like, holy mackerel, listen to these people. I mean, they were into it last night. Well, they need to be into it tomorrow night as well um, against Utah. It's a veteran team, senior, senior, more senior-laden team. Hey, how about Andrew Sturtz? It's been quite a week, you know, when you get Zane Rutherford winning his, the second straight Hodge Trophy, wrestling's Heisman. 
That's four out of the last ten going to a Penn Stater. Two to Zam Rutherford. Andrew Sturtz signed a two-year entry-level deal with the Ottawa Senators today. How about that? Now, he's a junior. He's going to see still in school right now. He is the fourth Nittany Lion to uh, do this. So he's going to forego his senior season, two-year entry-level contract with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Team I, 40 points, 14 goals, 26 assists. Uh, so Ottawa and Belleville, which happens to be the uh, American Hockey League affiliate of the Senators, and that in a position to make a postseason run. So he's going to stay at Penn State through the week. He'll attend classes. He's going to get his degree in recreation, parks, and tourism management over the next few weeks. And then he's uh, going to go to the uh, Ottawa Senators camp. So he is the fourth Nittany Lion in as many seasons to leave Skirler early for an NHL contract. Now remember, these guys are a little bit older in hockey. But Casey Bailey did it with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eamon McAdam did it with the New York Islanders, the goalie. Vince Pedry, the defenseman with the New York Rangers. And they're all currently playing in the American Hockey League. Now Bailey, by the way, has played with Toronto and also with Ottawa in the NHL. So Sturtz is going to do this as well. Signing that two-year entry-level deal with the Ottawa Senators, foregoing his senior year. That's terrific. All right, today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. My understanding is that when the Beavers went to build the dam and they voted, there have been accusations by the other animals that the Russians tampered with the election. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, come on. I never delve into politics. I'm not here either. We're talking about beavers and building a dam. Come on. (laughs) Great to have you with us on the show today. Ah, well, let's see. Let's uh, check out the headlines. Uh, Looks like Penn State's going to be playing tomorrow night. There we go. That's one headline. Penn State, Utah, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, Madison Square Garden, NIT Championship game. We're on beginning at 6.30 on News Radio 1070 WKOK, streaming live at WKOK.com, and uh, also on the Penn State Sports Network. Baseball begins tomorrow. Phillies and the Braves play tomorrow. Phillies and Braves play tomorrow, and for the first time I think in decades, every team is playing on opening day tomorrow. So there will be 15 games tomorrow. 15 games on tap tomorrow to open the baseball season. Pirates are at Detroit. Let me see if the Dodgers are at home, because obviously they have a slight problem. <laughs> After last night's game with the Angels, man, alive. I got sewage leaking onto the field. 
Yeah, I'll see. Tomorrow you got the Red Sox, Tampa Bay, Cubs in Miami, St. Louis and the Mets over here in Queens, uh, Pirates and Tigers at 110, Orioles and Twins at Camden Yards, Houston and Texas in Arlington, Yankees play at Toronto, Angels are at Oakland, Milwaukee at San Diego tomorrow. The Phillies and Braves tomorrow, 410. Of course, you'll hear right here on News Radio 1070 WKOK with uh, Scott Fransky and Larry Anderson. White Sox and Royals, Giants and Dodgers. Yes, it is at Dodgers Stadium. Uh, Indians and Mariners at Safeco. Colorado and Arizona over Chase. They've already postponed tomorrow's game between Washington and Cincinnati because of rain. The weather's going to be lousy in Cincinnati tomorrow. That's why I'm wondering about what's going to happen with the Pirates of Detroit. That might also be on the chopping block, too. We'll see. Yeah, for decades, Cincinnati would always be the the, uh, epicenter of the start of every major league baseball season. I guess this is the first time since 66 that their first game got moved back. Yeah, so that's that's going to happen. so, uh, rough weather in Cincinnati makes you wonder if they'll be able to get that Pirates-Tigers game in tomorrow, too. Right. Yeah, well, that's why I was mentioning. I was just mentioning we don't know if the Pirates are going to be able to play tomorrow against yeah. Detroit. We'll find out uh, what the weather's like there. Uh, I'm doing an indoor game, so I, I, I feel good uh, about that uh, tomorrow night. But it's uh, there's nothing. Boy, I tell you, baseball season, each season brings with it a different vibe. And when you look at the different vibe that is brought out by, okay, it's the start of Penn State football season. Uh, it's the start of the NFL. It's the start of college basketball, Penn State basketball season for me. And, by the way, I saw, it was great seeing Doug Bird's song last night. Doug came out. He was there. Uh, he's good friends with the Western Kentucky play-by-play guy. He's a really nice guy. And uh, But there's something about baseball where – you know, you go through winter. You know, we. Uh, I mean, look at my brother. My brother's been through four nor'easters this year in a month. Four nor'easters, and we had temperatures that were down in the. I mean, in the single digits for a long period of time. I mean, January and February were cold. You know, I, I mentioned how you know we bought the wood stove and the whole deal, and we got two cords of wood. Where you know, <laughs> remember at the, at the holiday party, uh, we went over together. And I went over to oh the hardware store in Lewistown. Oh, you went over oh, uh, over to Lewisburg. Yeah, we were over at uh, yeah over Lewisburg. Kohl's. Yeah, Kohl's Hardware. Yeah, I, I, so I go over to Kohl's Hardware. Yep. So I go to Kohl's Hardware, and I bought uh, and I bought a tarp to cover the wood, and I got it on top of my wood pile after the holiday party was over. I got it top of my wood pile the second I got home, and it snowed that night. Well, we went through two cords of wood in three months here, and I mean, how many days and nights were single digits? Now, now you get baseball. Yeah, it's not the warmest yet, but you feel like, wow, spring's coming up. Spring's around the corner. It's a different vibe to it to start baseball. Now, let me give you one of the great promotions in my uh, ever. The Mets are opening up tomorrow. Over in Queens, and they're going to be taking on the uh, St. Louis Cardinals tomorrow. <laughs> Years ago, now look, opening day for the most part, opening day usually as a big house, if not in some cases a packed house, right? 
It's opening day. Now, what happens on the second day of the season? Crowds then get exponentially smaller. So years ago, the Mets, when they were playing at Shea Stadium, they have opening day. Shea Stadium is packed. So they made the second day of the season no respect day. So they did a series of no respect. It's the second day of the season. Nobody comes out for the second day of the season. And throwing out the ceremonial first pitch was Rodney Dangerfield. They drew over 20,000 for the game. (laughs) Double what they normally would have drawn. Rodney Dangerfield, no respect day. Okay. The Yankees, meanwhile, over in the Bronx, are um, getting some pushback from Major League Baseball. There's a beer that you can buy at Yankee Stadium. And at a media-tasting event in the Bronx at the stadium on Monday, showcase some of the new food and drink items being sold this year by the Yankees. The innovation that really sparked a lot of interesting talk happened to be the use of technology that can imprint the likeness of the player into the beer and coffee foam. The Yankees concessions team showed images of outfielders Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, as well as catcher Gary Sanchez and closer Araldus Chapman. And there's also one where you get one with the Yankee logo floating in the head of a cup of beer. MarketWatch reported that the images of those players had already been loaded into the machines at the park and would be available starting on opening day. The Yankees said there was no current plan to sell player personalized beers at the stadium. Our hospitality team took Monday's event as an opportunity to test the image machines with various Yankee-related logos and photos, a Yankee spokesperson said. However, the Yankees have no current plans of incorporating this decorative element on concession items this season. Well, this happened after Major League Baseball called the Yankees and said, "Uh, we were unaware of the images. We spoke to the club. The club wasn't aware either, a spokesman of the league said. To the best of our knowledge, they have told them it is not authorized and to cease doing it. I would guess if they used the images of the players, I would think they would have to be paid for it, wouldn't they? I don't know. I mean, how would you like to go to a Shikolemi football game and all of a sudden... Get a get some cider and have the the suits f- face staring at you. You're shaking your head. Suit beverage mug night. Oh, that that's quite a mug, believe me. Yeah. Uh, what <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> time I was on, I was on WPSU. I, I have not fundraised for WPSU in the air for years. You know, because you know, they've got certain people that now that specifically do it. But they used to rotate a lot of us in there doing it over the years. And every once in a while, you can get a WPSU mug with your donation. And I'd hold the mug up next to mine like, look there, America, two great mugs. <laughs> <laughs> ah, boy. All right, so they put out, what are the odds here? Houston's odds from Westgate of winning and repeating, 9-2. to two. Dodgers nine to two. Yankees are six to one. Indians are seven to one. Nationals are eight to one. Cubs are seven to one. 
The Red Sox are 10 to 1. Cardinals are 18 to 1. The Angels are 25 to 1. Brewers 30 to 1. Although I like that team though. Twins are 20 to 1. 12 is Arizona 30 to 1. Colorado 40 to 1. Mariners 50 to 1. The Mets 25 to 1. Really? The Phillies are 80 to 1. But you know what their projected record is and I agree with this. 81 and 81. Look, they poured $169 million into Jake Arrieta, Carlos Santana, Tommy Hunter, Pat Neshek. I mean, they're serious. And I think Philly fans, I think, appreciate that they're serious about this. The Giants are at 50 to 1. Texas Rangers, 200 to 1. Blue Jays, 40 to 1. Orioles, 200 to 1. The Pirates, a billion to one. Ooh, that's big. No, the Pirates are 200 to one. Tampa Bay, 200 to one. Oakland, 200 to one. Cincinnati, 300 to one. Kansas City, 500 to one. The Braves, 200 to one. Padres, 300 to one. White Sox, 200 to one. Although, you know what? The, the White Sox are interesting. I'm not saying they're doing anything this year. The White Sox probably are not going to win 70 games this year. But you look at all the prospects they picked up. The White Sox are maybe a year away or two away from being right in the thick of it, I think. Tigers are 500 to 1, and the Marlins, shockingly, are 500 to 1. It's that time of the year. I love the fact we're going to talk some baseball here coming up. The Phillies are on tomorrow in this time slot, which knocks the show out. Oh, stop applauding there in Shemokin Dam. What's that about? Everybody loves you. I don't understand every time I mention the show's not on, people get happy. What does that mean, Sean? I get concerned. (laughs) I get all fatigued. You know. All right. Then again, cats do the happy dance when I leave for work every morning, too, so I kind of see where it's going here. Well, it's like, when's he leaving? (sighs) Same thing happens to the suit in the staff meeting. All right, we'll come back with <laughs> That's not funny. We'll come back with more in a moment. Wrap things up from Manhattan here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Here in Manhattan, this will be the last show that we do here this week. Uh, I mean, you'll still hear me from Manhattan tomorrow night, but that will be with Dick Girardi along with Jeff Tarman, courtside at Madison Square Garden when Penn State takes on Utah in the NIT championship game. So it'll be interesting to see what they want to do with uh, the point guard for Utah. He is a senior. He is smart, savvy, playmaker, decent outside shooter, but he's also 5'8". I'm not saying a 5'8", you can't be effective in this game, because he is, I mean, I mean the wheel revolves around him. Uh, and he is a very good player. But I'm going to be interested to see, and I'll get this in shooter because the team just got back from practice now. I couldn't obviously go to practice today over the New York Athletic Club. Uh, but I'm going to be interested to see tomorrow at shoot-around, uh, either in watching in practical application or in talking it over with Pat, whether they put Josh Reeves on him. 
Reeves did a brilliant job last night on Lamar Peters. And that length and quickness comes into play. Remember, Utah will also, once in a while, they'll play some man-to-man, sometimes out of a timeout. But they'll play a fair amount of 2-3 zone tomorrow night. And there you go. I mean, that's uh, that's just in brief um, how it's going to play out. Tomorrow the Phillies are on uh, before our game. Phillies start at, what, 4-10 tomorrow? Yep, first pitch. So um, on deck will crank up at 335. 3.35 tomorrow, so it's a doubleheader. Phillies and Braves followed by Penn State and Utah. Love it. And then I'm back on Friday. uh, I'm actually traveling back on Friday. Uh, They made the decision before this trip ever started that, uh, that, that Penn State would come back. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, you get to the championship game on Friday morning. So I'll be traveling back, and I'll just walk right into the Sunbury Motor Studio, and we'll do Friday's show. Our appreciation, by the way, to Andrew Callahan of 24-7 Sports for being on today in the second half hour. Lisa Byington was on with us in the third half hour with her fascinating stories and uh, her personal fascinating story as well, uh, pioneering in so many ways, and plus the brilliant work she did in the NCAA tournament for CBS and TBS. So if you'd like to check those out, you can on the Steve Jones Show podcast. Uh, And then tomorrow, uh, Julian Moore has been saying to Dick Girardi and me after each step of this tournament, you can't get rid of me. Well, he will play his 141st and final Penn State game tomorrow. (laughs) I mean, okay, let's see if tomorrow it also means that – there are things such as hardware and nets involved. We'll find out. Uh, but 40 minutes away as they play for a championship tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. There is, you know, I pointed this out before, but I'll, it bears repeating again. Uh, you know, if you don't think there's value in the NIT, then don't watch it. I mean, you know, if you think a minor, if you think a, quote, minor or mid-bowl game is a meaningless exhibition, too, don't watch it. doesn't matter. But if you would like to make that speech in front of the teams and the coaches, I would pay money to watch that speech. Here, we're going to bring Bob in here, and Bob's going to tell you how meaningless this whole thing is. That's great. Congratulations, Bob. I bought a ticket to watch this in the back. This should be really enlightening. Uh, You've got a game in front of you, and you're a competitor. For a young team like Penn State, this is an opportunity. A young team, let's be honest, young team making the turn to being a veteran team. Okay, So they're making a turn from being a young team to an older team. And this NIT has been pivotal in that turn because it's turning them in the right direction. The value has not only been the practice. You know, you see the emergence of a John Hara as to what kind of player he has an opportunity to be. I think it's helped Jamari Wheeler a lot. But there's also the opportunity that it brings with it. Uh, Penn State now has had the opportunity to go to Notre Dame and show everyone and themselves that they can win. They've had the opportunity to go to Marquette to show everyone and themselves that they're good enough to win. They've had the opportunity to play Mississippi State in Madison Square Garden and show everyone they have the ability themselves and fans the ability to win and to show that they are getting to be a better 
team and a better program. And now they've got another opportunity tonight or tomorrow night with Utah. Those opportunities don't have happen without the NIT. Just don't happen. And James Franklin was there last night. James Franklin, I'm sure, would be one of the first to tell you that look, playing and winning in the Pinstripe Bowl meant so much to the program at the time it happened. The practices for the Tax Slayer Bowl, obviously, it was you know tough with the Rose Bowl. But then what the Fiesta Bowl did this year, the way it elevated the program, those are those are big moments that postseason can provide along the way. And, of course, the Final Four is coming up this weekend in San Antonio. I got a nice text, by the way, from Matt Shepard, the play-by-play voice of Michigan this morning. Of course, I texted him right after they won and got to the uh, Final Four. Well, he returned it and texted me this morning uh, from San Antonio. So it's an exciting time. Uh, They've got Loyola in the first game. Did you see the – I don't know if – I doubt it was – maybe it was on Twitter. But, of course, Sister Jean is 98. Did you see what Jalen Rose's ma, uh, grandmother? Jalen uh, Jalen Rose's grandmother's a hundred, right? And she, she, I don't know, if she tweeted it out, whatever. So well, as it it comes to an end, Sister Jean. <laughs> <laughs> so so you got you got you got the one hundred year old grandmother of Jalen Rose, the ninety eight year old chaplain of Loyola, <laughs> and. Uh, it's funny. But here's the deal. If Michigan happens to win on Saturday and they advance to the national championship on Monday night, guess who's not going to be able to go to the game in San Antonio? Jalen Rose, because that new show that he's on with Mike Greenberg and Michelle Beadle starting Monday on ESPN, that new, was it Get Up? That new Get Up show starts on the next yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, we'll, be right. Able to, we'll be able to go see it in person. Our thanks to Andrew Callahan, 24-7 Sports. Lisa Byington from BTN as well as TBS CBS for joining us on the show today. Phillies and Braves in this time slot tomorrow, and then Penn State basketball tomorrow night with Utah. The NIT championship game at Madison Square Garden, seven o'clock the tip-off, six thirty the airtime on News Radio ten seventy WKOK. Also streaming live on WKOK.com and on the Penn State Sports Network. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, and Hummel's Wharf. We'll talk to you Friday back at the Sunbury Motors studio. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.